Hello, and welcome to Gifts of the Weird. With me on this episode is my guest, Alaric Albertson. He is the author of the upcoming re-release of Travels Through Middle Earth, and he is joining me for two episodes because we got really talking, and we talked a lot about runes for half of our time, and then the other half we got into the book. So I decided to break it into two episodes. So you are going to hear the first half of the episode on this episode, <laughs> and uh, then the other half we will talk about uh, Travels Through Middle-Earth, which will be re-released uh, as a special hardcover uh, probably in August or maybe early September, and then the softcover will be out in 2023 from Cross Crow Books. So with that, let's on with the show. Hello and welcome to Gifts of the Weird. I'm Jan, your your host, and I am really happy to have Alaric Albertson back with me and uh, to talk about his new upcoming book from Cross Crow Books. And uh, this is really fun to have him with me. We've been having a lot of fun talking off air prior to the beginning of the podcast, and we just thought, oh, well, we better actually just start going. <laughs> so um, here we are. Alaric is a founding member of the Key City Kindred, which is a kindred, a Germanic kindred affiliated with the Troth. Over the past five decades, Alaric's personal spiritual practice has developed as a synthesis of Anglo-Saxon tradition, country folklore, herbal studies, and rune lore. You know, that's close to my heart. His books include To Walk a Pagan Path, Handbook of Saxon Sorcery and Magic, and he is the co-author of the Martin Rune Deck. He was a guest on episode 13 of the podcast with Taryn Martin to talk about the deck and Saxon's sorcery and magic. Alaric, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, it's good to be back. What episode are we on now? Um, this should be episode 60. Wow. So you're it's on an while. even number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because episode 13 was just a little over a year into after I had started the podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't believe that it has been that long uh, since we talked. I mean, that's been four or five, four years ago at least. And uh, I have my Martin Rune deck, which I love. And I had so much fun talking with you two about that deck, which is a Futhark deck or commonly known as the Anglo-Saxon runes. Or the uh, it's also known as the Frisian runes, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep, the Frisian runes. And the artwork, of course, on that, I'm just going to plug it right now. Why not, right? The artwork sure. on that by Martin, uh, Taryn Martin, is absolutely fun and so cool. And, uh, of course, my favorite card is the Ing card uh, with Frere. And uh, there's so many beautiful images here. Of course, it, it coincides well with your books, particularly... Uh, Handbook of Saxon Sorcery and Magic. So there's so so many really uh, really cool aspects of it. And as a technical aspect, the, the cards are of the of a great size to fit into the hand and shuffle and good quality and all of that good stuff that you see on unboxing videos. So well done. <laughs> We're really pleased with it. Yeah, it, that was a major undertaking to get it done. Um, but the final outcome was it was stupendous i mean taryn's artwork is amazing the uh the i don't know who printed this it was a company in in hong kong i know and uh they did an excellent job they were recommended to us by by um barbara chriswell who 
runs Aquarius Books in Kansas City, and she had seen some different kinds of decks, Eastern stuff that I'm not real familiar, like chakra decks and things like that, that this company had done, and she really liked the quality of the work that they did. So, yeah, we were very pleased with with the final out, you know, result of this deck. Yeah, and and you should be because there's not a lot of decks out there for runes, and some of the ones that are out there are basically just the symbols on cards, and you know, as nice as those are. Well, that's why we did this. <laughs> I was writing a book on runes, and I realized it's like you know, I'm trying to write a book on the old English runes. So I need at least 29 runes, and you couldn't buy those anywhere. Mm-mm. You know, you go into any New Age shop, and what do they sell? They sell the Elder Futhark. So mm-hmm. uh, to put it in perspective, the percentage-wise, percentage wise, it's kind of like writing a book on tarot, but all the decks out there are missing the suit of swords. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's literally you only have like 80% of the symbols. So what was I going to do? And now it's not as bad. Now there are places like the Magical Druid in um, Ohio is a shop that sells Old English runes. As you know, I mean, it's you can get Old English runes in different locations now. It's a lot easier, but it still tends to be the exception. So we decided we. I'm using the royal we here. I decided <laughs> I, I needed to make runes. Um, and so I got a hold of my friend Taryn, who is a pagan artist. And, um, you know, there, there were some decks out there. I mean, there's no reason not to put them on, on cardstock. The Anglo-Saxons didn't because they didn't have cardstock. Right. You know, but there, it's a perfectly legitimate way to do this. I'll have people say, oh, I wouldn't want to do it on cards because that's not authentic. Well, what's authentic? You'll have all sorts of people using little rocks. And there has never, ever been any discovery of these little rune rocks. Mm-hmm. You know, Historically, what a rune stone was was actually a big boulder with inscriptions on it. It wasn't a little thing you throw in the, on the ground for divination. So you know, that was popularized in the really like in the early early 1980s you know if you want to be authentic probably something like branches cut branches pieces of wood is the most authentic historically um and frankly i think um you know cards are a lot more similar to a piece of wood than they are to a you know than a rock is yeah. at least they're you know they're wood they're <laughs> they pulp, pulp wood but. they're from wood they're from a tree yeah. So, you know, we, we did this deck and there were some decks out there, but I was very unhappy with all of them. Um, the problem with most, with not, I shouldn't say most, cause that's hard to prove one way or the other. The problem with a lot of rune decks is that the artist puts his or her interpretation into the illustration. If there is an illustration now, you can do that with tarot or something like that, but the runes have historical meaning. Each rune has, you know, a historical mystery. If you're working with the Old English runes, these are described in the Old English rune poem. Uh, it's it's historical. We've got it. We know what they meant. So 
it was really important to us to, on the illustrations on these cards, not just to illustrate what that mystery was, but to intentionally leave out any flourishes or personal impressions of what it ought to mean, if that makes sense. Be you know, it, because nobody wants to buy these cards because they want to learn Alaric Albertson's runes. They want to learn the old English runes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that brings up an interesting discussion. And we will get to um, uh, Travels Through the Middle Earth at some point. But since we're on a nice little rabbit mm -hmm. hole tangent of runes and you have my interest mm -hmm. <laughs> and probably a lot of other folks. And if we go on too long about this, then Alaric, we'll just break this into two podcasts. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Okay. I'm good. So I have a question for you then, uh, considering some of the things that you just mentioned about uh, the, the old English runes and how they have meanings and not bringing inter uh, not bringing certain interpretations of the author into the rune deck. Um, how does that, how do you, how would you feel or what would you think about how the using the interpretations of say the younger Futhark rune poems, the Norwegian or the Icelandic and how those might impact the meanings of the runes? Because in those rune poems, there are some slight differences and they are reduced from the 29 as well as the 29 being amplified from the original 24. Now, caveat, there is no rune poem for the original Elder Futhark, which is the mm -hmm. original 24 runes. And we know there were 24 runes breaking into three uh, groupings or ets because we have um, bractates and we have examples of those of that from that period of time, which was right before when the uh, old English runes were came into being. So, um, how would what what do you think about mixing those later rune poems as possible interpretations with the original, or uh, how does that affect into modern times when we have new revelations or different revelations based on our current modern living? Well, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with modern interpretations as long as you realize you're using a modern interpretation. You know, I mean, it, you, it, you should not assume just because you read it in a book that this is the ancient meaning of the runes. The ancient meanings of the runes are in the rune poems. Mm -hmm. You know, they, it is said. It's historical fact. As far as mixing them, in my opinion, it is an error. The reason being, it's, I view the, these runes these runic mysteries as something like a mystical language. And with the different cultures, you have different meanings for the, just because you have the same symbol doesn't necessarily mean it means the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, just like I, I, I've been to England several times, uh, basically because in part because I have an Anglo-Saxon spirituality and I wanted to go back to that country Go back to it. I wanted to go to that country to <laughs> connect, yeah, like I, you know, uh, to connect with it and to, to connect with that energy. And I have a lot of people I have met over the years because of my books who are English, and it's hit me. I mean, I've I've become very much aware that English, the English language, isn't always the same language. Mm -hmm. And I kind of view the rune poems in that way. 
if you go over to England and you say you want biscuits and gravy, which is a breakfast we eat here in America, well, I mean, they probably know what you're talking about because you're an American and they have heard this weird thing. Mm-hmm. But technically, in England, in English, English, English there, biscuits and gravy means you've just poured gravy over a bunch of cookies. Yeah. You know, and I, I remember a, a woman in England up in Lancashire, we were in a pub and we were talking about the difference in language. And this was an English woman. And granted, we had had a few beers, <laughs> but she literally, and I mean in the old sense of literally, not the modern sense of not literally, she <laughs> literally fell off of her bar stool when I told her about the uh, American little thing that Americans would wear called the fanny pack. Uh-huh. Because fanny in England means something totally different than what it means in the United States. Oh, my. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it basically means the vulva. You know, so, (laughs) yeah, you know, you go from one place to, you know, from one place to another, the language changes. And to me, that's what these, why these rune poems are different. I believe they're different because the Norwegians and the Icelandic people and the English had their own sets of mysteries. And just because they used a similar symbol to represent these things, you know, biscuit in this country may mean something different than biscuit means somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So bum, fanny, there's a bunch of words like that that change meaning when you yeah, go. Absolutely. So that's why I personally, I know a lot of people do it. They just like swirl it all together but i feel like that is an error okay um so that's my opinion no that's very that's very interesting and it's it's great to hear you um speak about it in that way because um you know i i study runes and i i look at the different rune poems and 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 i and i i'm a part of a different groups, room groups and room discussions. And a lot of them, I just kind of, I'm a fly on the wall. I really don't want to participate because sometimes I feel like people have their opinions and sometimes they ask a question, but they really don't want to hear an answer or a, a response. They want They're a validation. So they can say their opinion. Yes. <laughs> they just want a validation. <laughs> yeah. And, and they just want to hear, oh yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I typically just check out and just kind of, um, pop my popcorn and watch. Uh, I but would I love, would... I would love to see more Norse people, people who follow some Norse pagan religion. I would love to see more people, uh, study the younger Futhark. Mm-hmm. I'll have people say, well, there aren't as many symbols. Well, you know, it's not a contest. No, it's not. Yeah. And if it is a contest, then why are people doing the Elder Futhark? Because the Old English runes wins on sheer numbers. Yeah, so, but I really think if you're going to seriously do Norse spirituality, you ought to be doing either the Icelandic rune poem or the Norse rune poem and using those 16 symbols. And I've seen people do that, and I've seen how powerful that can be when they really focus on that language, on that set of mysteries. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my question is, um, 
and uh, we will get to Middle Earth, I promise, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I just find this really interesting. Is uh, as part of that, um, I how what do you so you obviously have said you you think they they're they're kind of separate and they remain separately, um, but once the old English runes kind of stopped being used in favor sort of uh, Christianity and the Latin alphabet came in and life just moved on. Societies and cultures just moved on the way they did. Um, do you think or uh, that, that the runes, that the, the meanings of the Icelandic and the Norwegian rune poems have or add like different layers to what we can learn from the runes as a whole, like an onion, like repeal different layers or whatever, or you think it's just better to kind of keep them in their own, their own vacuum, I guess, uh, or their own set, their own within their own confines. Well, I would, I mean, when I'm working with the old English runes, that's what I work with is the old English runes. I think it's interesting to look at other runic languages just like I think it's interesting that mm -hmm. in England, if someone offers me a biscuit, it's not something I'm going to put butter on, <laughs> you know, or, or gravy. <laughs> but I don't, I, I, I don't think that that influences really has a direct effect on what a biscuit means to me as an American, mm -hmm. you know. And likewise, I don't think that what a rune might, I mean. Like the rune cane or chain in Old English means it's a very pleasant concept. It's a fire. It's the hearth fire that everyone gathers around. And in the rune poem, it talks about everybody gathering around this fire and being comfortable. And you go to either the Icelandic or the Norse rune poem, and it's a totally different thing. There's no shade of meaning. It's completely different. Mm -hmm. You go to one of those rune poems, and it's a disease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so yeah. it's it's not even remotely the same. So I don't really think they're just necessarily shades of gray. I think that sometimes they're symbols that had a different meaning for different people. Like I said, biscuits here, biscuits there. Fanny yeah. here, fanny there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's really interesting. And thanks for sharing that. Because you're right. Um, and not only for a different people, but a different time and a different era. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's something that I think is important. Actually, this is interesting to me because Taryn and I are talking about um, at Earth Warriors this year, which is a festival that takes place in Ohio in September. We are both probably going to be going there, and we're talking about doing a workshop together where we will be discussing from the point of view of how we made these cards, but use that as an example of making that distinction between your personal interpretation and the historical, you know, that what, what is actually in the rune poem. Because it's also a fact, you know, touches on the whole thing about, well, modern interpretations. Well, now we feel like this means such and such. And that's fine, but you should keep that separate as this is my own modern interpretation. It's not what the rune originally meant. And uh, same thing, sometimes what modern people come up with is not just a different shade, it's something totally different. Um, for example, the rune ice for ice, 
very often today, the modern interpretation, people talk about, oh, it means stasis and, you know, something that's not moving. And uh, Groa Sheffield pointed out to me once that for, you know, pre-industrial people, especially in the uh, Scandinavia, where they had all the fjords, it meant pretty much the opposite because when everything froze, when there was ice, suddenly the whole world had superhighways. That's when all mm-hmm. of the trade took place because they had ice so they could transport things rapidly. So what to a modern mind might, may seem like, oh, this means stasis, this means frozen, this means not moving. Well, that's great, but a thousand years ago, People knew nothing about molecular theory, and -hmm. their perception of what ice is was totally different than how we perceive ice today. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, Ice, though, ice to me has always kind of meant not quite a stasis, but like kind of a slowing down and from our molecular understanding, because um, it's still moving and like a glacier is still moving. Um, ice is still transforming and changing, even though to our naked eye, we might not think so. Um, so, but yeah, oh yeah, that's really great, really great way to kind of look at runes and holding to those meanings from before, but also, um, because those were modern interpretations then. Who knows what they thought 200 years before that? That they like didn't. I said, there's nothing wrong with a modern interpretation. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. have I have my own interpretations for a lot of these runes oh. because they come alive. They speak to you and all. But I, again, it's like what how I interpret them are not necessarily how somebody else is interpreting them. Yeah, yeah, and I always teach start with the basics. And then build upon that foundation. Uh, so and I think that's a great thing. And and I love, um, although I don't uh, personally, I, I I use more the 24 Elder Futhark than I do the uh, Old English. And I am expanding into that, learning that, and getting used to that aspect of things. I I really uh, appreciate the Old English rune poem, and uh, that's my go-to. Well, that was kind of what most of the modern, you know, the rune books today, most of the interpretations that are applied to the runes were taken from the old English rune poem. Yeah. But like I said, it's like, you know, okay, well, you can do that or you can play with the full deck. And, yep. <laughs> add, you know, because if you're using the Elder Futhark, you're basically doing the same thing, except you're shorting yourself 20% of your symbols. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we have the rune deck still available. We'll have links to that in our notes. Yes, we still have it available. They can order it from the artist as a rule. If you can't find it, if you can't find it at your local bookstore, ask them what their problem is and tell them about it. Um, <laughs> but if you have to order it online, Taryn sells them online through his company. It's at HTTP colon slash slash wolf den one word hyphen designs dot com or just google wolf den designs and look for the wolf den designs that has the hyphen yeah or look in my notes and there will be a link directly or look it. in john's <laughs> notes there's that way too for all of you tech savvy people absolutely because that's how i got my deck so uh, a few years ago 
So, right. you know, I mean, you are, you might be able to find it in your local store. I mean, there are quality stores out there um, that actually carry the Martin Rune deck. Absolutely. And one of the things that I do encourage is always try to support your local bookstore. Yes. If you as can much at as all. Possible. They are such a valuable resource. I know that it's so tempting to go to Amazon, but I mean, I will go into our local New Age stores. I'll just buy things even if I don't really need them just to kind of support them because you and me both. Yeah, they give back so much to the community. And and that's the main reason why I really encourage supporting local bookstores because they're not just a Barnes and Noble type bookstore mm-hmm. or brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. They're a community resource and there's very few of them. And it's one of the very few places where you can go in and get a hands-on experience where you can talk to someone who knows something about the stones or the incense or the books or the spirituality that you're exploring or know how to reference to somebody who does or a place too. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I generally try to encourage people don't go to Amazon for that one or $2 savings. Ask your bookstore mm-hmm. to order a book for you. And then yeah, Amazon is where you go when you just can't get it locally. Yeah. But very often, even if your bookstore doesn't have the book, if you ask for it, they can order it for they- you. Order it and you're still you're supporting them and that can be so important um i mentioned barbara criswell and aquarius books earlier and i mean i'm not singling them out by any means but i've known barbara for way longer than people would believe probably um and what she has done with Aquarius books, they have given so much to our community in, in the Kansas city area. And I don't live in Kansas city now, but I still really appreciate that. And I know that, I mean, for, in some ways it's like, it's a vital organ in the body of that community. Mm -hmm. They have helped. She has donated space for different fundraisers and things and got helped so much with community projects that, that, got the pagan community going and running and up and as strong as it is and again it's like i i know this because i know her and i've known known barbara for many many years but this is true of a lot of our local bookstores a lot of these new age shops they they do things that you aren't necessarily aware of very often they will offer classes or offer free space for classes or for speakers and you know the really can jumpstart a community. So it'd be a shame to see them fold as we go into more of an internet age where people are buying online. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, since you shouted out to Aquarius, I'll shout out to my local (laughs) bookstore, which is Diana over at the Tree of Life store in Ocean Beach, California. And uh, she has done a lot of that over the years. And I've been blessed to be a friend with her and uh, do classes and rituals and workshops and um, shopping fairs and all kinds of fun stuff. And there's a couple of other bookstores. We have a new bookstore opening, you know, that opened up called uh, called Lady of the Lake, and they're starting to do those as well. And Mama Roots. And so we have we have a lot of local stores that serve and commit to the community, and they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. Alaric, I really appreciate you 
joining me for this time. Oh, my, this was so much fun. We had so much fun talking about runes and talking about uh, Saxon paganry. Well, it's always a pleasure to be on Gifts of the Weird. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Please have a look at the show notes for links and, well, notes. Podcast is available from Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and other podcast catchers. Feedback and reviews are greatly appreciated. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at @weirdgifts1 and on Facebook at, at Gifts of the Weird. And email me at giftsoftheweird.com. Thanks and have a great day.